I want you to grab your Bibles and open with me to Luke chapter 4. We've been in a series talking about the power of God, the power of God. Jesus said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power, there is the word dunamis or dynamite. It's where we get our word dynamite. It's miraculous power. And so we've been talking about how the power of God works in our lives every day. Now, the struggle is we can regulate uh, or, or relegate the power of God to being only well when we see a physical healing or something like that. But the truth is the power of God is at work all the time. We just don't give him credit for it. We, we see that the power of God can heal, but not just heal the sick or physical diseases, but he heals all diseases. So anything in your life that is stealing your ease of life, God wants to bring healing to that. He, he can, the, the power of God can restore, restores relationships, restores families, restores the hearts of the Father back to the Son, and the heart of the Son back to the Father. The power of God can bring hope. The power of God can take the limits off of your life, and it's the power of God that saves us that we might live with Him in eternity. I'm thankful for the power of God. But as I told you early on, we translate oftentimes the word power into English, but there's actually a number of different Greek words that mean power. Sometimes we, we translate them power or strength or authority or uh, right or things like that. Uh, but it's, there are different Greek words. And when the New Testament uses them, he is teaching us something different. I said to you the word for power in Acts 1 and 8 is the word dunamis or dynamite power. I want to switch words today and I want to talk to you about another word that we see in the life of Jesus and Jesus promises for you and I. We pick up in Luke chapter 4. Jesus is beginning his ministry here. And in verse 31, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you're there with me, say amen. amen. Don't forget you can follow along on your app if you like notes. If you're watching online, the notes are available on our app as well. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There too the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Everybody say authority. Once he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, began shouting at Jesus, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet and come out of this man, he ordered. And at that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. And then it came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, here it is, what authority and what power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. I want you to note here in verse 36 that they use two separate words, authority and power. Power here is the same word dunamis that we've talked about a couple of weeks, but this word authority is a different word. It's called uh, exousia. Exousia. You want to say that with me? Exousia. It's a Greek word 
that is translated power or authority. We'll talk more about it in a minute. Now, when I was in Israel er earlier this year, and they'll, they'll play that first video for me. I don't need the audio, guys, just the video. Uh, I want to show you this is, this is the remains of a tabernacle just around the Sea of Galilee from where this event took place. Uh, and you can see right here, it's not a very big. That's the center. Back it up and pause it for me just a little bit, guys. You can see the full width of it, right? Whoop, too far. Scroll forward. Right there, freeze. So this right here is, is the entirety of the synagogue. You came in from this direction. You walked in. There were some places, some things you did on either side, some cleansing things. And then you went in to that room, the far room there, which is not a very big space. The entire building is smaller than one of these sections here. So it's not a very big room. You see that rock that's in the, in the middle there, the square rock? That's what they would take the scrolls and they would lay the scrolls out on and they would read from. Do you remember the story when Jesus walked in and he took the scroll and he opened it to Isaiah 61.1 and he said, For the Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. You remember that? This is what happened right here. It's a room. It wasn't this room where he did that, but we know that Jesus taught in this synagogue. We know that Jesus walked right here and he taught in this synagogue. And the reason we know that is because we know that most of Jesus' ministry happened right around the Sea of Galilee and he went from synagogue to synagogue to synagogue teaching week after week. So here we are on the day of Sabbath. Now, where we actually are is in Capernaum. Capernaum is just around the Sea of Galilee. It's one of Jesus' favorite places. He loved to go there. It was beautiful. Show me the next picture. Here is, okay, so I'm, I'm sorry. This is a replica of what the synagogue would have looked like if it was fully standing. You see the, the kind of the tiered uh, stone around the outside? That's where people would sit. So while you guys all sit and watch me while I'm standing up here doing all the work, here, you see the scrolls on the table right there? They would lay out, there's a little stool, and the speaker would sit down at the stools, he would lay open the scrolls, he would read it, and he would teach while everyone else stood around, either sitting or standing on those tiers. Go to the next picture for me, uh, the next video. This is Capernaum. This right here is the actual house that Peter uh, lived in and where Peter's mother-in-law was healed. Okay. Now what they actually did, you see the roof standing right there, kind of a dark colored with the lines going through it. What the Catholic church did years ago was they came in and they built a church over the top of the ruins underneath. So they've dug all this out. That centerpiece is the kitchen there. We know for a fact that Jesus was right there. And they built a church over the top of it, and they have mass, or they have service there every day. As a matter of fact, we couldn't go up into the building for a while because they were in the middle of service. Pretty cool, right? One more picture, and I'll show you. And you can see, this is, this is when you go inside, it's built around, uh, this is the looking down this glass window that overlooks, this is the room that we know Jesus was in, that's in the center room there. Right? So we, we know this is where Jesus was. This is in Capernaum. All happening right around the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus, thank you guys. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. 
Synagogue is a gathering place. It was not just a place they met on Sunday morning for an hour and a half and uh, learned a little bit and went home. It was a gathering place. Outside the synagogues would be the marketplaces. In both of these places, you would see right outside of them, if I showed you the picture, you would see markets where they would sell goods and trade goods. This was the centerpiece. And they had them all over the, the nation of Israel at the time because people couldn't drive 30 and 40 miles to get to church. And I don't know how far you drove. I drove about 22 miles to get to church this morning. You can't, you can't walk 22 miles every Sunday morning to go to an hour and 15 minute service. So what they would do is they would build small synagogues that became the centerpiece of society. And there might be you know, 300 people in a village, 100 people in a village, but they all had synagogues just like the one I showed you. So Jesus is teaching there one day, and while he's teaching, in the middle of his, of his sermon, in the middle of his talk, in the middle of him reading the scripture, what happens? This demon-possessed man starts screaming and interrupts the message of Jesus. Why have you come here? Why are you bothering us? I know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. You're, you're the son of the Most High. You're the son of God. And Jesus stops him, and he tells the demon. Now I want you to note, he's speaking to the demon. He didn't speak to the man. He spoke to the demon and said for the demon to come out. The demon throws the man on the ground, but I love what it says. It, it didn't hurt him any, anymore. You see... In today's world, in the church world, we talk a lot about the blessings of God, about the work of God in our life. We talk about that God is fighting for us. We talk about all these things, and we should. We talk about the good things of God. We preach a very happy gospel in today's world, and, and the gospel is called the good news, so it should make you smile. But here's the problem. We don't want to talk about who we're fighting against. We don't want to talk about the fact that there is an, another side to this spiritual world. We like to talk about Jesus. We like to talk about angels. How many, how many of you have ever prayed that angels would surround you while you're driving, protect you on all sides? I'm leaving for Colorado this afternoon with my, with my daughter. And, and we'll pray before we get in the car. God, commission angels around us, in front of us, on the sides of us. And, and make sure, Lord, keep me awake and keep all the crazy people from hitting me. Right? We should do this, but the other side of the kingdom of light is that there is a kingdom of darkness at work as well. I want to talk to you today for just a few minutes on struggling with demons. You see, demons are at work just as angels are at work. If you're new today, bear with me for a moment. I'm going to give you some encouraging news, but it starts with this. There has to be an understanding that just like there is a kingdom of light, there is a kingdom of darkness. And just like there are angels at work, there are demons at work in our life too. Jesus went around and time and time again, people would come up that were possessed by demons and Jesus would cast them out. One time, and if you go to the Sea of Galilee, you can actually see the cliff on the side of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus cast the demons out of the man and into the pigs, and the pigs ran off the cliff and killed themselves. When the demons came inside of them, it caused them to harm themselves. When a demon possesses a man, 
Not just in Jesus' day, but even in our day. He can, that demon can cause a man to do things or a woman to do things that he would never do on his own. And often it causes them to harm their own selves. I'm going to scare you for just a moment, but, uh, but uh, I'm also going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something really cool one story, and I'm going to tell you a really funny story. Okay? So in 2009, we're at, uh, we're at a youth camp, and we're preaching, man, and the power of God is moving. Man, healings are happening uh, everywhere. I actually just read an email from a young girl that was at that camp, and she talked about how, uh, how was talking about how that God had healed. She had an, an intestinal problem, and God totally healed her in that service. She was just giving God all the glory. It was an incredible time. Well, I, after preaching and then ministering the altars, I, I mean, I'm, I'm exhausted, and they call me to the back and say, there's a young girl back here, and she's demon-possessed, and this demon is, like, causing problems and throwing her around and screaming and all this crazy stuff. It was, I mean, some of you are looking at me with big eyes. Yeah, it was that kind of deal. This girl might have weighed 65 pounds, little, little bitty thing, and, and yet she is just throwing grown men around. It was, it was nuts. So we go back there, and, these, and, and she had all these, that she was possessed by all these demons, and they were, they were causing a ruckus just like Jesus. So just like Jesus, we start calling and, and casting these demons out of her, and she's throwing herself on the ground, and I mean, it, it was a hot mess. We finally got, after about 45 minutes of this, um, we're just exhausted. It's, it's 1230 at night. I've got nothing left in the tank, and there's this one demon that just will not leave, and he's talking to me. Like he'll, he's telling me his name, how long he's been there, how he got there, and I'm telling him to leave, and he's saying no, and I'm like, wait, what? It was very confusing. And finally, I mean, it's, it's, it's midnight. It's, it's after 12 o'clock, and finally, I'm looking at the guys that were with me, and the girls that were with me, and my, my wife was there, and, and some other pastors were there, and I'm like, look, I'm, I'm tired of this. This is a true story, and multiple witnesses can tell you this story. I said, somebody give me a cell phone. They give me a cell phone. I dial, I dial my dad's number. It's after midnight. This girl's laying on the floor, foaming at the mouth. I mean, it's like straight out of a movie. I call my dad. I wake him up. Dad, yeah, bud, what's going on? Are you awake? No, I'm not awake, son. <laughs> I wake him up. So I tell him what's going on. Look, there's, there's, this, there's this demon. I can't, I can't get this demon to come out. I don't, I don't know what else to do. And he goes, okay, put me on speakerphone. True story. I hold the speakerphone up and I say to the demon, do you know who's on the phone? Yes. Who? The bishop. I, the hair standing up on my, on my arms right now. I know you can't see it because I got a coat on, but I'm telling you. I said, do you know what that means? I have to leave. I know some of you are not believing me right now, but I'm telling you, ask around. This is a true story. And so dad says, and then he says to the girl, what's your name? And, and you know, we go back and, and, in, and in two seconds, this demonic stronghold was gone. Over the phone, half asleep. My dad, like me, takes sleep medication too. So, I mean, he's really half asleep. And this, this demonic spirit knew that when the bishop got on the phone, I have to leave. Why? Exousia. You freaked out enough yet? Here's another one. This is a, 
Here's another one that's going to lighten the mood just for a second. This happened years ago when I was a kid. And uh, some, this, this happened with some big-name preachers, and I won't say who they are. But there was this, there was this uh, guy, and he was struggling with obesity really badly. And it was, it was not just an eating disorder, but he was demon-possessed. And, he, and, the, and among the spirits that were in him was a spirit of obesity that was causing him to have an addiction to food that he couldn't stop. And so these guys are, and these preachers are, are, try, are getting these demons to come out, and this demon is talking to him, and they said, what's your name? And he said, obesity, and they said, and they said okay, well, come out, and, and I kid you not, the, the, the demon said back, I'll come out for a cookie. <laughs> I think we're missing the point. Um, I... I wanted to grab your attention this morning. I don't really want to scare you, but I want you to grab your attention because what we, if we don't understand that there are, there are demonic presences in play in our world, then we won't understand what we're fighting against and we won't know how to defeat the enemy in our life. I'm not a person that believes there's a demon under every rock. I'm not a person that believes that every person that walks, everybody that walks in the church off the street is demon possessed. There are those people. Every person that Jesus prayed for was not demon possessed, but they were there. Jesus was walking through the streets uh, of uh, Israel in the day, and every, that, everywhere he went, there were people that were lost and in need of a savior, but they weren't all demon possessed. So there, there are people that are lost needing a savior. They're not demon possessed, but then there are people that are demon possessed. And so, but there is a difference between being possessed by a demon and being oppressed by a demon. You see, while I may not be, well, I can tell you, I am not demon possessed. That doesn't mean that demons aren't trying to work against me at all times. So if we can understand this teaching and we can understand the power that Jesus had, the authority that Jesus had, it's not just, well, that's not for me or that's not, you know, that's just for people who are demon possessed. No, it's when the, in the attack of the enemy is laying an onslaught against your family, you'll have the tools that you need to overcome. Uh, not every person is possessed, but so many of us are oppressed and we don't even realize it. The, the enemy is working against us. It's one of the reasons, you know, we can talk about all the downsides of, of drug use, and there's lots of them, but one of the big issues with drugs is it becomes a gateway for demonic spirits to come into our life. In fact, the, the Greek word that it's translated drugs is the word pharmakia. Sounds like pharmacy just a little bit to you. Same word. It's where we get our same word, pharmakia. But that same word is also translated in the book of Galatians as witchcraft or sorcery. Because for, for, all, for, for most of the expanse of the, of the world, of the known world, drugs were used as hallucinogens in pagan worship by witches and by sorcerers to get you to hallucinate and then hopefully get in touch with the spirit world. Now, in America, we like to use them recreationally. But what they, were, but what they do is the same thing even if we're using them recreationally. 
Are you tracking with me? So what happens is it opens our mind to a spirit world because our minds, which serve as a gateway to keep out the enemy, our mind gets depressed and the gates fall and the enemy comes in. Drugs are a serious issue. Pharmakia. It's the same thing as it becomes witchcraft and sorcery. And the Bible says, why do you think drugs have always been seen as rebellion? When people that do drugs are rebellious? Why? Because the Bible says that rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. The rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft. So all, you understand how all these things are working together. It, it, you know, if you're in this room and you're struggling with drugs or you like drugs, I just want to warn you. I don't want to condemn you, but I do want to scare the bejesus out of you. That when you do that, you're opening gateways for the enemy to come in. Don't open the gateways. So Jesus uses this, they use this word of Jesus, the exousia. The exousia. Jesus had power and authority. This word means authority. It means mastery. It is the power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. So when you walk in with authority, when you have the authority, people around you have to obey. When I walk into my home, my kids have to obey because of my authority as the father and as the head of our house. When I walk into a staff meeting, I walk in with authority. My staff may not always like it, but they have to obey. Why? Because I have the authority. If they don't like it, they're free to leave, but I'm the one with authority. When I walk in and my boss is in the room, he's the one with authority. I can like it or not like it, but I have to obey or submit. This is, this is the word authority, the word exousia. It's also translated as power, as mastery, or as the word right. Here's one for you. In John, uh, when, in John, when Jesus said that we have the right to become children of God, the word there is exousia. You have the authority to become a child of God. You, you, you didn't earn it. It was given to you. You have the authority to become a child of God. I want you to think about that for a moment. When the enemy tries to say you don't deserve it, you say, it doesn't matter. I have the authority to be here. I have the authority to be called a child of God. I have authority to, authority to accept all of the gifts of God. I have an authority to accept the salvation of God. Why? It was given to him. It's my right. It's my authority. It is my exousia. This, this, is, what, this is what we have. It's authority. I love it. This is the same word in Luke chapter 7. The, the man comes to Jesus, the centurion comes to Jesus. He says, I need you to heal my servant. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come. And the man says, there's no need for you to come. He said, just say the word. For I am a man in authority. And when I say the words go or don't go, people have to listen. And I'm a man under authority. So when people say to me, go or don't go, I have to listen to them. I understand exousia in my life. So Jesus, if you just say the word by your exousia, by your authority, my servant will be healed. 
Jesus' response is amazing. In Luke chapter 7, go look it up. He says, I've not seen such faith like this in all of Israel. Why? This faith was an understanding of the authority that, that Jesus held. This man got it. Do you understand the authority that we have as believers? So when the enemy is coming into our life, when the enemy is trying to attack our life, when the enemy is trying to oppress our life, when the enemy is trying to oppress our kids, we have exousia that we say, Jesus, you don't even have to come out of the throne room. Just send your word and it's going to calm everything down in my life. I haven't found faith like this in Israel. Jesus just going about his day and demons were getting involved. Jesus is just preaching and having church and, and, and demons get involved. Why? Because when, when this authority, when exousia walks into the room, there is a clashing of the spirit realms. The, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness are suddenly clashing and going head to head. Think about it this way. What happens in our world and our earth when a front of cold air meets a section of warm air? What happens? Thunderstorms, bad weather, tornadoes, things. When those two things hit, there is a clashing of these two pressures, of these two systems, and violent weather breaks out. Now you have to understand this when Jesus, he's just walking through his life. He's just preaching, but the authority that he's preaching with causes a clashing. And so when the kingdom of darkness walks into the synagogue, boom, it, it blows up. You've wondered why when you walk in, people start being frustrated with you or things go wrong. It, it's not because you're a bad person. It's because when you walk in with exousia, demons start to move around and say, hey, 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 something's going on right here. That's why we get in the presence of God and things start going wrong. You've heard me say before, I'm convinced the devil lives in the sound system. You see, I don't have any monitors on the stage. I can't hear anything I say up here. And the reason why is because I'll be standing here. We'll go a whole service. God will start moving. The presence of God will come in. And right about that time, feedback will happen, and it will distract everyone in the room. Well, Pastor Randy, that's the, because the microphone is doing this and it's going that and it's creating a loop. I get feedback. I studied it for a long time. But the point is, why that moment? Exousia. When the, when the authority of God comes in, it starts. Why do you think right about the time God starts speaking to you in the middle of my sermon or in the middle of worship, why do you think your phone will ring? Start buzzing. Trying to distract you trying to cause problems. This is what the enemy does. He doesn't have to possess you to mess up your life. He just, he'll just distract you and make your life miserable. I'm preaching on this subject one time. We were in the, we were in the small sanctuary, first service. There were not a lot of people there. There's a girl sitting on the second row. She had her cell phone sitting next to her. And literally while I'm talking about this subject, her phone starts going off and shoots three rows back while there was no one sitting behind her. It was the first service. It was middle of summer, not, not a lot of people there. She couldn't even get it. Her phone's going off. We don't even, like, like while I'm talking about the enemy causing distractions in service, exousia, these things start colliding. They start coming. Why do you think just about the time you're trying to pray, you're at home, you're trying to have a quiet time, you're trying to worship God, the kids start fighting. 
And you've got to go pull them apart. They've been fine all day long. They've been playing together. They've been, and all of a sudden, they are trying to kill each other. Your kids, they're good kids, but what is the enemy trying to do? He is trying to distract you from getting into the presence of God. He's trying to distract you from worship. So just about the time you get there, there comes this collision of two forces. Your phone rings. There's a problem at work. The, the, the electricity goes off at your house. Whatever the case might be, something comes up to distract you from the purpose you were on, from getting into the presence of God. The enemy is at work in our life. What do we do about it? I want to give you a couple of ways that this exousia, what it gives you power of in your life. The first one is this, and and we find this in uh, the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I'm going to show you two from this verse. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. What we learn here is that you have authority over the kingdom of darkness. You have authority over the kingdom of darkness. You as a believer, you have the right to become a child of God. So as a child of God, you have authority. If you, if you had grown up in a monarchy, you would understand that not just does the king have authority, but the prince has authority. Right? And the prince is over everyone but the king. That's who we are. We are princess, princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. We have, we have rights and we have authority. So let's look at Luke chapter 10. Here's what he says. Jesus says, look, I have given you. Everybody say me. me. He has given me, he has given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Here's what I want you to leave with today. No matter what the enemy tries to do in your life, no matter what attack he tries to bring against you, no matter what things he tries to maneuver to stop you and get you distracted, no matter what he's doing in the life of your teenagers or your college kids or your husband or your wife or your parents or your boss or whoever else, no matter what, no matter what the power is, notice he says, all of the power of the enemy, you have authority. Doesn't mean you should walk into your boss's office and put your hands on your hip and say, I have authority over you. I don't recommend that. Because here's what I want you to note. He's not saying, I'm not telling you your boss is your enemy. We're talking about a different enemy here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you may be able to withstand uh, or stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Watch this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So what does that mean? You thought your boss was your enemy. You thought your coworker was your enemy. You thought your, your wife was your enemy. They're not your enemies. But who are we fighting against? Evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and I think he's writing to us today, saying you've got to understand what you're up against. You're not up against people. You're up against a spiritual kingdom. So when, when the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's not talking about a person. That's talking about two spirit worlds. I want to be on God's side. And what that means is there is a dark side, mighty powers of this dark world, evil spirits in heavenly places, rulers and authorities of the unseen world. They're there. You just don't see them. 
We, we think there's this like war going on up in the third heaven, but, the, but, but Paul also wrote to the Corinthians that there is a thin veil between heaven and earth. It's a very thin veil. Imagine just, a, uh, just kind of a see-through curtain, if you will, just a thin veil or the veil that would happen that, that a bride might have where you can see through it, but you can't fully see in. That's what the spirit world is like. There is a thin veil. And if we're not careful, we'll live our life like it's going on somewhere else, and yet behind the veil, the enemy is working and maneuvering and causing us problems. And so what we have to get is that you're not fighting people. You're fighting the devil. But Jesus said, I gave you exousia over all the powers of darkness. All the kingdom of darkness. I gave you exousia. You have it. You, 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 no matter what the enemy tries to do in your life, no matter what demons have been unleashed in your life, I want to pray for you today that you would have the authority to say in your own life and in your family, devil, you've got to go. You might need to go home today and kick the devil out of your house. He's been at work in your marriage. He's been at work with your kids. He, he's been at work in your finances. You might need to lay hands on your checkbook and your debit card and your credit cards and, and whatever else and say, devil, you have to get out of my life. I'm not fighting against flesh and blood. I'm fighting a spiritual war here, and I'm taking authority right now. <laughs> Jesus, for I have given you exousia. You have authority over it. Let's go back to Luke ch uh, chapter 10. Let's keep reading. He goes on and he says, I've given you authority over, over the power of the enemy. Watch this. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them and nothing will injure you. Now this is a verse that, as many of you know, has been used incorrectly over the years. Uh, and that's if you've ever heard of or seen these churches that handle snakes. Right? And so they're going to worship God by handling snakes because they want to prove that they can handle a snake and, the enemy, and, and, and nothing's going to hurt them. I, I, you're an idiot. Am I, I, yeah, I'm going to let the rattlesnake bite me on the arm so I can prove my faith in God. No, you're an idiot. That's not what this verse means. Let, let, let's look at what Jesus is saying here, big picture. He's talking about there is an unseen world, you have authority over it. And then there is a seen world. There are things that you know are coming at you, snakes and scorpions that, that, that can kill you, but you can see them with your eyes. So I want you to get a picture. There are unseen things we can't see that, that, we, that we don't really know are there, and there are things we know they have the power to hurt us. Here's what Jesus is saying. The things you can't see you have authority over. The things you can see, you have authority over. And if you walk in that authority, even when something seems to go wrong, it's not going to harm you. You see, you have authority over every harmful thing in your life. Harmful things in, in their world. Remember, they walked everywhere they went. They didn't walk on concrete streets. There would be scorpions hiding. There would be snakes hiding. You're walking along the path and suddenly you're bit by something. Jesus says everywhere you go, you're walking. 
And there are things, there are physical things that might try to come against you. And even when it looks like it's going to harm you, you have authority over it. That's why Paul wrote that there are things that the devil means for harm, but God's going to turn them around for our good. Because we have authority. So you have authority over the, all the kingdom of darkness. You have authority over all uh, hurtful, harmful things. And then number three, you have authority over yourself. You, you have authority over yourself. You see, the, the other meaning of this word exousia doesn't just mean authority or mastery. It's not just talking about commanding against the kingdom of darkness or whatever, or commanding uh, employees or soldiers or whatever else it might be. That's not all that it's talking about. What he's talking about here is mastery over your own will. He's talking about mastery or authority over your inner man. You have power over your own mind and your own emotions. As Christians, we live our life following our emotions, being controlled by our emotions, being controlled by our mind. Paul understood this. He said, that which I will to do, I don't do. That which I will not to do, I do. But what does he say? We need the Spirit of God. i got to walk in the Spirit of God to overcome it. Because when I'm walking in the Spirit of God, I have this exousia that gives me mastery or power over my own will. But where did Jesus have this will? He said it like this. I only, I only do, the Son of Man does, can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whether, whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. What we learn from this is, first of all, Jesus had power over his own will. The reason he had power over his will is because he found this authority when he was in right alignment with the Father. If you choose to go living your own route and your own way, exousia is not promised to you. But when we walk in alignment with the kingdom of God, when we walk in alignment with the Father, when we walk in alignment with the Holy Spirit, when we walk in alignment with the Word of God, authority is promised to you. Power over your choice. The power over your will. The, the power to say no. The power to say yes to the right things. The power to be strong. This is in every area of your life. You, you, you have authority over your emotions. You don't have to be driven to and fro by your emotions because you have authority over them. You have authority. You say, Pastor Renan, I want to get healthy this year. Great. You have the authority to do so. You have the power of choice. You have master over your own will. Don't come to me and say, Pastor Renan, I've tried. It's just not working. No, 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 no. Understand who you are. You have the, the authority of a child of God, and that includes authority over yourself. 
but you've got to be in the will of God. You've got to be following and say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to be in a right relationship with you. I want to hear what you're saying to me, God. We spent a long time over the last couple of minutes talking about how to hear the voice of God. If you missed that series, get on the app and download it because it's in when we're following the voice of God, when we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, that we have authority over our own will. I want to tell you that the flesh is strong. The flesh wants what the flesh wants. What you need to overcome the flesh is something supernatural. And you have access to it. I want to pray this morning. I want to pray for a number of things. First of all, I want to pray that if the enemy is at work in your life, seen or unseen, I want to speak and cause the attack of the enemy to come to an end today that the authority of God would rise up in you and that when you say no to the devil, he would have to back away. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You have that authority. We're going to pray this morning. And the attacks that have been unleashed in your life, you don't know why, you don't know where they're coming from, you don't know why they're breaking out. They end today in the name of Jesus. Oppression by demonic spirits and evil forces in, the, in your life. They end, they end, they end today. And then secondly, I want to pray that if you have been struggling with your own will, that today you would have the power over your will, the power of choice, the power to choose God, the power to choose His ways, the power to choose what the Father tells you to do and nothing else. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, I thank you. I feel the presence of your Holy Spirit here right now. Even now, I believe that you're stopping the work of the enemy. There are attacks going on. Lord, I, I see attacks in our finances, and we don't even understand why. This is breaking out, and that's breaking out, and then medical bills, and trips to the doctor, and cars breaking, and, and, and water pipes breaking, and it just seems like there's chaos in our financial world. Father, we recognize that it is an attack of the enemy, and we say for it to cease and desist right, right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I see demonic spirits trying to attack kids and, and teenagers and college students. They're trying to oppress them and, and trying to put on them depression and confusion and, and lack of understanding. Father, we speak against those forces right now, every force in the unseen world, every dark force, and we say, you have to end right now. And we place hedge, a hedge of protection around them in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm speaking to marriages where it feels like all hell is broken loose. Lord, we recognize that it has, that the enemy is attacking us, and we come against him and we say you have to stop in the name of Jesus not on our own exousia but on the exousia that comes from the Father God it ends today it ends today and Lord for those that are needing the power over our own will power of choice to choose you to choose what is right, to choose what you're telling us to do, to do the hard thing and not the easy thing. Father, give us that authority. Give us that strength. Give us that power right now that we could follow your ways all the days of our life. I'm speaking now the power over our will, over every person in this room and every person watching online. I thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands.